Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to the new editions of Get Real with Rick Dancer. And we have taken real to a whole new level, haven't we? <laughs> Our show tonight is sponsored in part by Chris Dental Family Dentistry. Uh, Dr. Michael Bratlin has got big kahunas. He is not afraid. Um, he believes in civil freedoms. He believes in, in, in this country. He believes in people having a voice and people being able to use it. Um, and uh, so he sponsored billboards saying back the blue. He has done just so many things. And uh, his new ads are talking about how you have the right to, to health care, uh, no matter what your vaccination status is. And he believes that with all of his heart and he sponsors our show. So if you're looking for a dentist, I'll tell you, he's gotten super, super busy because there's a lot of people out there who give a damn about where they go do their work. And so if you want to support people, support him, support our show and our other sponsors. So uh, we're glad to have you aboard. we got a great show for you tonight. We're going to check in a little bit later with Kim Stark. She's going to talk about um, with our Elements for a Healthy Life sponsored by Elements Health Club segment. And uh, tonight she's going to talk about mental health. And she kept asking me questions and I feel like this is a show is because of me and I'm not sure what that means. Um, but you know, Kim, so she'll be here in a little bit to do that. And we have another guy named Scott Morgan, who's out of uh, Jacksonville, a friend of mine here in town, who's uh, with a local union trying to fight the mandate said, Rick, you've got to talk to this guy. Cause we've had Alan on last night, Alan Thayer. And this is another gentleman. He's not a lawyer, but he's doing some uh, schooling and some practices. We figure you guys got a week left till the 18th. We want to give you as much as we can to, to bolster you because we really are feeling for you people who are standing up for your right and losing your job uh, for no reason. And I said that because it's my show and it's no reason. So, um, oh, you switched to him. People are going, oh, yeah, I switched to him. Well, good. Hey, you guys, while you're on here instantly right now, there's like you know a couple hundred of you on there. Share it on your page right now. Just take it, share it, and it'll be live on your page. And then all the people on your page are going to see it at the same time. See how that works? I know it's pretty smart. So um, our first Bill London's on tonight. And um, I'll tell you, we already have a failing report card for the state of Oregon. Now we're going to get rid of a bunch of teachers over a mandate um, and the teachers practices and something group. I don't know who they are, but they're not very smart. Uh, they just started to dumb down what they're going to hire for your substitute teacher. So here to tell you more about uh, what kind of people are going to be in your classroom? If I was a teacher, I'd be pretty pissed off right now. Here's Bill London. Good evening from the 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios. I'm Bill London. Here's what's going on. Well, we're going to start off by following up on a story that we first reported late last week, and that was the need for emergency substitute teachers and a certification that residents could get to actually be substitutes in the state of Oregon. Well, the Oregon Teacher Standards and Practices Commission announced that they're temporarily dropping one of the original requirements to become an emergency substitute teacher here in the state of Oregon. And that requirement they're dropping, having a college degree. 
the commission thinks it'll help them alleviate the shortage of substitute teachers. Now, looking back to December of 2019, there were just over 8,000 substitute teachers in Oregon. Right now, there's just under 5,000. So, the State Teacher Standards and Practices Commission filed another temporary order to establish emergency substitute teaching licenses. Under the order, the only requirements now are for candidates to be at least 18 years of age and pass a background check. Districts are going to be expected to pay for the emergency licenses, certify specific administrators to support the candidates, and then supervise the performance of the substitutes. Now, a lot of parents around the state voiced major concerns about how long these substitutes with no experience were going to be in the classroom, especially with vaccine mandates looming. Anthony Rosales, the executive director of the commission, says they'll cap assignments at 10 days. Rosales said the emergency licenses will only be in effect for the rest of the school year or six months, whichever is later. The commission plans to revisit the system in January to see if the shortages improve. So in summation, to be a substitute teacher in Oregon for the time being, you have to be 18, pass a background check, and then go through an interview with a CNA who will check to see if you have a pulse. So Oregon has exceeded a grim milestone. Oregon now has over 4,000 deaths somehow related to COVID-19. In the last two months, over 1,000 people have died. Before that, it took eight months to reach that same number. So far, 4,002 people have died of COVID-19 in Oregon. And of those that have died, most have been older than 68 years of age, and the vast majority have had underlying health conditions. Just over a dozen residents at the Oregon Veterans Home in Lebanon have tested positive for COVID-19 amid a new outbreak at that facility. The residents affected by the outbreak are now in quarantine, according to the facility. On October 8th, seven cases were added to the current outbreak, bringing the total now to 13, and health officials confirmed they've had 36 positive cases from August 10th to October 11th, including staff and residents. Staff at the facility are reportedly following strict COVID-19 protocols. Now, if you remember back to the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic here in Oregon, that particular facility was ground zero as being the first major site of an outbreak here in the state of Oregon. Former, former elected officials, all Republicans, including a Redmond resident and former Secretary of State Bev Clarno, have filed suit against current Secretary of State Shamia Fagan, seeking to throw out the Democrats' U.S. House redistricting map, which they called, quote, an obvious extreme partisan gerrymander. Now, recently, of course, during the special session of the legislature, Democrats in the legislature approved new congressional and legislative districts in a once-in-a-decade redistricting process based on new census data on population growth and shifts. The lines redrawn to make room for a new 6th U.S. House district seat were all but guaranteed to give Democrats five of the six seats. They now have four of five. That 83% ratio far exceeds the 56% share of the Oregon vote that went to Democrat Joe Biden in the 2020 presidential election. The lawsuit was filed in Marion County Circuit Court, and it claims the map splits 
two to three times as many counties and census tracts, even small block groups into different congressional districts than the last time lawmakers redo, uh, redrew districts, which was 10 years ago. The GOP takes particular issue with the new boundaries of the fifth district, which is now being represented by Oregon City Democrat Kurt Schrader. The newly drawn district extends from the southeast edge of Portland all the way to Redmond. The four petitioners claim the new map, quote, violates Oregon law by unnecessarily splitting counties and communities of common interest while ignoring political and geographic boundaries in such an egregious way that no reasonable legislative assembly would do. The lawsuit is now asking the courts to redraw the districts before the 2020 election cycle begins. Under a new system, lawmakers enacted actually back in 2013, a five-judge panel appointed by Oregon Supreme Court's Chief Justice will hear the case, and if they agree with the Republicans' challenge, they'll redraw the lines. Well, 11 months after the 2020 election, county clerks in Oregon are getting a new round of calls and emails disputing Oregon's results. Marion County Clerk Bill Burgess said the request for audits and canvases of election results in the county have been coming since June, and he says they picked up in the last few weeks following an audit of a county's election results in Arizona. In the 2020 presidential election, voters in Marion County swung to Democrat Joe Biden over Donald Trump by 40 9.2% to 48%, a margin of about 1,870 votes out of 164,308 cast. That's a reversal from the 2016 election when Trump carried the county. Burgess said the calls and emails have become threatening as well, including some he's forwarded to the FBI in the last few weeks. Lane County Elections Office has not received threats or notable increases in calls, at least according to county spokesperson Devin Ashbridge. She says that there have been a few requests, though, for forensic audits. There have been enough complaints around the state that county clerks received a directive from Secretary of State's Election Division Director Deborah Scroggin last week clarifying that post-election audits in Oregon can only happen within Oregon's authorized processes. So the way that it works is that Oregon law requires random sampling hand counts or risk-limiting audits in all counties following a primary, general, or special election. All of Oregon's 36 county election officials conduct the reviews, which require hand counts of those ballots for the 2020 general election. Then all the reviews confirm the certified results. The state requires counties to retain ballots and return envelopes for two years and retain the chain of custody of those ballots, including not releasing them to third parties. Under Oregon law, automatic recounts happen when a defeated candidate loses by less than two-tenths of a percentage point of the votes. People can request recounts within 35 days of the election, and the requester must pay for it, though that could be refunded if the outcome is changed in their favor. And finally, the parent company of Portland-based Umpqua Bank is selling to Columbia Banking System in a $5.1 billion deal that'll keep the Umpqua brand and split the business's headquarters between Tacoma and now a new location. The combined bank will put its corporate office in Tacoma, Washington. Umpqua Bank told the Portland Business Journal it'll move its Portland office out of the downtown plaza that's named for the bank 
into new offices in Lake Oswego. Umpqua didn't respond as to why they're doing that, but the bank's move out of downtown Portland is another blow to the city's core, which of course has been buffeted by riots, protests, vandalism, homelessness, crime, and the closure of offices during the pandemic. I'll see you tomorrow morning between 6 a.m. and 9 on The Wake Up Call, where we'll feature an interview with Lane County DA Patty Perlow and more. Now it's time to get real with Rick. All right. Thanks, Bill. Good to have you on board. Isn't it nice to have Bill here? I love kind of getting you guys informed and knowing what's going on because that's where the power is. The power is in you. And I think for too long, we've been apathetic. We've been we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to deal with it. Well, guess what? Now we have to deal with it. And that's why redistricting is so important. That's why so many of these things are so important. And we need to be on board this stuff. We can't just hide our head in the sand. That's what they want us to do. Um, and and that is the last thing on earth that we need to be doing. Um, real quick, before we go to our elements of a healthy living segment, um, I'm going to bring uh, Kim Stark on. Kim, so this is outside the realm of the elements feature. This is still on our other Chris Dennell. You're a teacher. When you hear that they're going to be putting substitutes into the classroom who are basically a warm body that's over 18, and it, what does that say to you? Yeah, I mean, I well, it's a little bit of an insult for one. I mean, I spent 40 grand on getting my master's degree. So, I mean, teachers, they take it seriously. Um, number two, it, does this, does this mean like long-term subs as well? Cause subs aren't just in the classroom for an hour or two. So if it's a babysitter in a classroom, which is essentially what it sounds like it is, I, as a parent would be concerned. So as a teacher, I'm concerned as a parent, I'm concerned. It's not okay to have a substitute. My first year after getting my master's degree, I, I spent a year subbing. It was a job I took seriously. It's, it's not just a babysitting job. So that's very concerning as a parent and a teacher. So when you see that Oregon's report card always comes in kind of low, you kind of go, wait a minute, oh, um, yeah. how's, how is this going to help? Right. Well, this is not going to help. And if you're having people in there without a college degree, for one thing, I mean, if they're what I'm wondering what their role is supposed to be. So they are just a warm body in the classroom is what it sounds like. Oh, they'll um, hand in somebody else's lesson plan and saying, do this, do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's it. You have a job to do. You are following the teacher's lesson plans and you have to have some degree of knowledge on how to run a classroom. Plus, there's a lot of behavior management that goes on in a classroom. In fact, that's the majority of what goes on in the classroom. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they can can deal with that. Well, the, the funny thing will be kids can smell a wimp a mile away. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember how we treated our subs? <laughs> yeah. Mean, yeah. If we did that then. Oh, my God. All right. We're going to switch gears. I put up the Elements Health Club of Lane County graphic. We are ready to go. So Kim is here every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesdays, she does the Elements Health Club or Elements of a Healthy Life segment right. um, sponsored by Elements Health Clubs, which you were a teacher at Elements too, a spin class. That's right, another and kind of teaching. So um, Elements has three gyms, guys, one in uh, Oakway, one in Springfield off of Game Farm and one in West Eugene. And they're really big on doing things for the community. So what are we going to talk about in healthy living tonight, Kimberly? 
Okay. So tonight, ironically, I already had this planned. I was going to talk about mental health. And then Sunday, so two days ago, Sunday, was mental World Mental Health um, Awareness Day. Um, depression is one of the most common illnesses. It affects, I think it's 15 to 20% of the population. That's a close estimate. Um, and of course, more adolescents are now dealing with um, depression, including kids 13 and under. That's where I kind of began to do my research. I lost a former student. Um, she took her own life almost, almost a year ago now. So I started doing some research into that. And it's really concerning if you look at the amount of adolescents that suffer from anxiety and depression. And of course, as we're now finding out, a lot of that has to do with social media and how social media impacts their brains uh, as they're not ready for that kind of thing. Um, there have been some movies now coming out to kind of bring awareness to it. Um, social Dilemma, Childhood 2.0 are a couple that I can think of. Um, and then Facebook on Sunday, ironically, announced that they are adding new features to nudge teens away from the bad content and encourage them to take those breaks from social media. I, I don't know how that's all going to play out. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that has any uh, effect at all. But that's what they're they're coming out with that now after the Instagram, um, you know, the whistleblower came out. And um, so we'll see if that helps. The Oregon Department of Education, they had um, their first week back to school when kids were back to in person. They had this care and connection week. And okay. um, that needs to be more than a week. So hopefully that's continuing. Um, but you know, there's a lack of counselors in schools now. There's a lack of resources for kids and adults for mental health. So um, as, a, as a parent, um, I'm concerned. <laughs> My kids are, are going to be teens soon. Um, there are a couple of warning signs you can look for. So if you have a teenager and you're thinking, what can I be aware of? Um, there are some warning signs. There are changes in like what, how they typically, typically behave, of course. Um, and maybe they might have a change in appetite or they don't want to hang out with their friends. There are some things that would be maybe obvious to you as a parent, but there are also severe signs such as prolonged sadness or isolation withdrawal. And if they don't want to be around you as their parent or any of their friends, um, so just being aware, um, I think, Rick, I talked to you about this psychologist, and he also has a book. He's also, also an author. His name is John Duffy, and he has, some, um, he has a book out about how to de deal with teenagers in this new time that we're living in, and, and as a parent especially. So teachers are kind of trained to, to see warning signs and things like that. I mean, Absolutely. real, real they teachers. Should be. Yes, they should be. Um, I, I took a course after hearing, um, after hearing of the loss of this former student of mine and seeing what a big issue it was. I took a course on how to look for those signs for anxiety. And it's a, it's a book that was designed for teachers, but also parents can learn as well. Um, but yes, teachers should know in this day and age how to look for those signs. Absolutely. So since we are getting more unqualified teachers, uh, parents are going to have to take a bigger role in this. So it, it, Kim is one of the things that people don't be afraid to take your child to a therapist. It's not, I mean, it's not right. the, that, you know, mo a lot of us have been through therapy. It's not a dirty word. It's some, it's a place they can talk because sometimes they can't, it's probably hard for kids to say the things they need to say to somebody, to their parents, maybe. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. They do need someone else to talk to a lot of the times. And it is the good news is, like you're saying, it's not taboo anymore. Um, so you should never be afraid. No. The issue, though, Rick, is that there's just not a lot of resources that are available. Um, counselors are booked out. And then when they were online, kids were doing online counseling sessions. And now a lot of them are still remote um, and you can't get into these appointments. You have to schedule out like a year in advance. So that's the problem. And that's the, the scary part is now, like you say, without qualified teachers, that, that's it's not going to get better.
So the best thing to do is really be watching your kids all the time and having conversations. And even what about it with adults, you know, I mean, with each other, I think, right. you know, um, the more, the more we're distanced from each other, I think the more dangerous it is. You know what I mean? People were made to live in community. That's kind of how we're designed as human beings. It's been going on since the caveman days. Right. You know? right. Absolutely. That makes a big difference. And also if you, um, you know, there are ways that you can help yourself by, um, you know, simple things like breathing exercises when you're not spending time with other people, getting outside, exercising, those kind of things, um, but also doing volunteer work, just getting some way, getting involved with making other people happy to help your, um, you know, self-esteem. Um, but yeah, they have, it's, it's exactly, it's adults too. This, this thing did not do any good for anyone as far as that. Kids and adults are still wearing masks inside. So it's hard to see expressions. You have those kind of things. It's hard to relate to people. So you get a lot of that isolation and that leads to it. So that's why the numbers are up. And, you know, the thing that you and I know is um, one of the best things to, to do, because as you get, you know, somebody said to me today at the gym, oh, I think I'm getting, co you know, I'm trying to get rid of my COVID fat. And it's because, you know, people got, they just, we, we you know, people were staying in, they weren't doing stuff. Now it's time to get out and move because right. exercise is one of the best things. That's, I tell people, that's my mental health is it, it going to the gym. I'm obsessed, but it's because I know that, you know, I struggle with a little bit of depression. And if I, if I get out there and work out, I know that something got done today. And you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of, it's, it's a really good thing. And all of our gyms have a membership plan available. They're very inexpensive. And the best part about going to a gym, I think, is you meet people. I mean, I'm accountable. I see people and I, you know, flip them shit and know that they're there and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's really, it builds a little family atmosphere. So especially for people who are struggling, we have oh, this big funny. guy at our gym now. I don't know his name. I, 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 he tells me, but I have to hear a name a couple of times, but he's really large and he's already lost, I bet you about 15 pounds in a couple of weeks. And so I see him, I go, Hey, so I'm going to give him my extra, I have that my, that my zone strap that I don't use. Oh, uh -huh. I and so I'm going to give it to him and encourage him to do that. So we can do that as people too, as encouraging people to do things. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the fitness classes, I mean, Rick and I have done cycle classes where I was the instructor. We were in there together. The classes are great. If you, you know, it, once you take that step in the door and realize how fun it is, you're hooked. And I think people working out together in a group, I mean, it's just so much more fun and it, and it holds you accountable for showing up at that time. Yeah. Kim Stark, thank you so much. Um, so, so fun. I, thank you for Elements Health Clubs as well. And we'll see you on Thursday um, to give us a roundup. Go ahead. Yeah, Thursday, we'll talk about what's coming up for the weekend. So we have a lot of things. And we, I should say, keep those ideas coming. And a lot of people have been emailing us with, with some events coming up or uh, volunteer, anything that you want to get the word out about, do that here and let us know. Just email us. Yeah, so it's Kim's. Yeah, Kim. Kim Kim Stark, yeah, Kim at KimStarkMedia.com. And I know a lot of you are emailing Rick and he'll get those to me as well, but feel free to send it right to me. I just talked with someone today. We're going to get her on next week um, and we'll we'll get you in there. We don't have to worry about, uh, we don't have rules on this show. We can, we can put <laughs> stuff out there. We don't, we're, we're from the news days where we couldn't always, you know, put these fun things on. So yeah, we, isn't that nice? It's kind of refreshing, isn't it? Right. We can actually do this for you. So please oh. reach out. All of our friends from the news industry are probably going, oh, my God, Rick and Kim got a mic and now look at <laughs> and no rules and look what they're doing. I know. Look out. Watch out. Watch out. You don't watch know out. what we got. Thanks. All right, Kim. We'll see you Thursday. Thank okay, you. Bye, guys. All right. Okay. So there you go. Your Elements Health Club health 
uh, ways of a healthy living. Um, <laughs> I've just got so much on my mind here. Um, thank you, Kim, again. That is awesome information. And you guys, again, share this on your page right now. It'll go to people on your um, site because you never know when one of these things, somebody's suffering with mental illness, somebody's suffering with anything like that. Now, our next guest, um, last night we had Alan Thayer on, an attorney in town, talking to folks that have applied for a religious accommodation and haven't gotten it. He gave you some tips. Um, a friend of mine here in town um, is in a local union and they're, um, he's not going to get the vaccine for his own reasons. It's none of my business and it's none of yours. And uh, but he and other members of his uh, friendships and this, and this union are fighting. And he said the other day, Rick, I contacted I contacted this guy named Scott Morgan. Oh, and there he is. Um, oh. And Scott, tell him you are in um, down in Medford, Jackson County, Jackson County. Yeah. Southern Oregon, and, down here by the border. So tell people, and you guys, that's not why he has a Southern accent. It's because he's actually from North Carolina. He's, people in Southern Oregon, just if you're out of our region area, they don't have a Southern accent, I don't think. <laughs> no. Hey, Scott. Born and raised in North Carolina. So. so tell people who you're with and what you guys are doing for folks. Well, um, this has all started. I got involved uh, at the Jackson County Republican Party of all places. And in my opinion, we should be a community service organization more than a political organization. So we got involved finding ways we could serve the community. As we figured out what was happening, I, I know a little bit, mostly just to keep myself in trouble with the law. And I know a little bit about pushing back. I love the constitution. I love this idea of freedom. I have problems with authority. So we started doing some classes on ways that people can stand up for themselves. And what we ended up doing was attracting this guy who he and his team produced phenomenal results here in our county and here in the state. Uh, you'll never hear about him. He stays behind the scenes, but he has come along and started doing these classes for us. And so as I started learning, I said, man, I'm sure other people want to learn. And one thing led to another. And we had about 100 people showing up every week. And so you're giving them information in ways that they can get into the system and really understand how to how to fight this. Or is this overall how to stand up for yourself? Well, that's built into it. But there's an there's an acute issue here. Right? There's an emergency with I mean, people are actually about they're threatening to fire them. People are about to lose their jobs. And so immediately, what is it we can do? And one of the things that we've been it's been suggested that we do is we fill out what's called an affidavit. An affidavit is a legal document. It's upheld in any court of law. You swear under penalty of perjury that what you're signing is true. There are two very clear statutes in Oregon that are for medical freedom. It's just not up for discussion. It's very clear. I can tell them if you or give them to if you want, but we use those in one of our first affidavits. And then there's a second affidavit that comes along and reinforces that with what is said in the OSHA Act and is backed up by the Constitution, Article 6, Section 2. So it, when you start to figure out what, where we actually stand, this whole thing is a ridiculous conversation. I'm not even sure why we're having it. When you start to understand that this really comes down to one of the most basic freedoms, that it's a God-given freedom that the Constitution enumerates, and that is the re religious freedom. You can't mess with that. It's a non-discussion. It's a non-starter. And so all of this is laid out in the documents. And the purpose of the documents is to give us a pathway that will allow us to file for discrimination. That's where this goes. So and I think the other message we're giving out here is don't be don't lose hope. I mean, it's easy to say Correct. when this has been impacting Correct. me personally. 
personally. But it's like there are ways that you can go after this. And it's probably not going to happen the way you want it to right off the bat. But like you were hearing, Alan, and last night, Alan, there was saying the problem with this is it's going to come down to the businesses. Um, the state has hidden behind all of this and it's going to come down. The businesses are going to be the ones that take the hit and are going to have to fight it. But for the employee, that's who you that's who you are going to fight. Yeah. And the affidavits that we're using actually protect the employer from the state. So and, and that's how you know it's a good good idea, because, you know, it, it's a win win situation for everybody. I'm protected. So this will help you. And it also helps protect the business owner because nobody it protects wants the employer. The official OHA form says right on it. Do not send to the Oregon Health Authority. It goes in a filing cabinet at your employer's office to be kept for X number of years. So all we're doing is providing uh, we've taken the position that the OHA form is insufficient because it doesn't allow it. it well, let me put it this way. It incriminates on my religious freedom. You know, you're going to send my religious beliefs to a panel to decide if I like, no, that's not how this works. Um, and Mr. Thayer last night was correct. He was talking about the fact that they, I won't say correct. I, what I'm hearing supports what Mr. Thayer was saying is a better way to put it. And that is they're getting around this constitutional argument because they've allowed for medical and religious exceptions. So it, it is kind of crazy that some panel of people or even a school district gets to decide. And I think it's interesting from the school districts is they're going, okay, we'll give you the accommodation, but now you can't work and we have yeah. you under contract and, and you are stuck until April or whatever, um, whatever that deems to be. Well, and what we're learning down here is that the incorrect path is to sign the OHA form. Basically what that does is that, that gives consent for them to review your position and decide whether or not you continue. It's 95% of the law is consent. When a police officer pulls you over and knocks on your window, that entire conversation is consensual. It's all consent. And so by signing that OHA form, you're giving your consent for them to approve or disapprove of your religious position. When in I, fact, that's not true. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's crazy. The whole thing, this whole thing is so sneaky, so underhanded. It just, it's slimy and I don't like it. <laughs> how, are, how are people in Southern Oregon responding to all this? Cause I'm, you know, we're mostly up here in the Valley and- We're pissed. We, the people are pissed. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Um, apathy is a real issue, but there's a, I'm told there's thousands of us here in the County that are filling out these affidavits that are pushing back. We've gotten some response that lets us know we're kind of on the right track. The secretary of state amended the language in the mandate without telling anybody the language that they amended falls directly in line with the pathway that we have been taking to push back. Um, the big medical uh, company down here, Asante, they're starting to waver a little bit on their rules and their deadlines because we're pushing back so hard. So that's how we know we're getting somewhere. And and I see where somebody had written on here, and I don't know if this is true, but this people can check out, but I guess the Bethel School District is giving accommodations and not pushing that. Um, but, but 4J and uh, Springfield right now are still um, sticking with the plan. Well, I'm in a different position, right? I don't have kids um, and, and I don't have a family at this stage. So to me, this is about, principles. I'm not going to consent a way for you to approve of my religion, even if you promise to accept it and maybe change it down the road. 
this is a principle issue for me. You can go stick it because I am not. And I know the law that I stand on. I know what this country was built on. And the answer is no. That's where I come from. So have you, uh, how long have you been in Oregon? Mm, seven years, since 14. So you come from another place. I've lived here for my whole life. I, I'm curious to see how I have noticed when I was in the news business, I noticed and it always used to bother me and I'd preach about it. I mean, not preach, but you know, but talk about it is I, apathy to me was the biggest problem. You'd go to a city council meeting or a county commissioner's meeting um, or a hearing in Salem and you only had the squeaky wheels that would go to those meetings because everybody else was you know, figured, hey, I'm doing a job. I got kids to feed. I got this, this and this going on. But in that apathy, um, this this ideas slipped in and got power and they got control. I don't think it's the majority of people, no. but I think I think we as the people forgot that we are the boss and we allowed the, the politicians to tell us what to do. And then the people with the loudest voices to get the voice and we have to stand up for ourselves. You know what I mean? I'm the first one to admit that I've been asleep at the wheel. I mean, I, I, I just went about my life. I was so disheartened by the system and the BS that goes on, I just, I didn't want to fool with it. And now all of a sudden they are literally coming for our jobs. They're removing a local workforce. And it's just, it's, oh my God, we got to do something. The good news is there is something we can do. Um, it's just a matter of applying it. And what you said earlier, you're right. It, it's not going to look the way you think it's going to look. This is, there's a, an old saying that says, if you seek revenge, dig two grapes, right? So this is not so much about revenge as it is standing up for what is correct and true and lawful. And that's what we're using to move forward. And what I have to, I heard Mr. Thayer's interview last night, and that's the same, one of the points that he said is similar to what we're hearing. And that is don't quit because right. the employer is in a position where if they fire you, they're looking at discrimination and they know it. So that's why they're sneaking around and they're saying, well, we'll put you on leave or, well, you can use this up or we No, If you walk out, that's consent. You have to show up. You have to force their hand because only when they take that position of firing you, only then do you have a complaint. Only then do you have a grievance at law. Don't you think this is going to come back to bite our culture in the ass? Um, because how do you how do you run a hospital when you've let all these people go and there's not enough nurses out there to do the work or other people, cafeteria people, all that? What do you do with a school when you're hiring non-educated uh, babysitters to, to, yeah. to teach your students? And, and what does that say to a teacher about their job? So you're, and how long can you do that? I mean, are we going to lose another year of education for our kids? They've already lost, what, one and a half? Are we going to lose another year? And and when does that catch up to the people? And I think, Scott, to me, the only way it will is if we hold them to the fire. We hold those people making these decisions. They don't get off this time because I think far too often people make excuses for them. And now it's like, no, you did this. You fix it you get this out of this because you caused this. And if you don't do it, I'm going to do it. Well, it's the proper assertion of what has been ours all along. Right. You know, this, this country, as I understand it, was an experiment. It was the first time that any, any people had ever sat down and agreed that God came first, people came second and government came third. Never been done before. And it's been under attack since the beginning. 
And so this whole thing, when you start to look at what's going on, you're only left with a, with a narrow field of possibilities. And there has to be, it is purposeful. It is intentional. There is no logical explanation for it. It and, looks like and, and involvement by us has to continue. Um, we have just, to stand up. I say that all the time. It's like we, the people, when right here in Jackson County, there's about a quarter of a million people. And even if you get 1,000 of us, if you get 5,000 of us and we stand together and we say no, I really don't care what kind of policy you write. I really don't care because we say no and we're right. the people. So bye. It's, it's right. a non-issue if we, the people, come together and remember what's true and we move forward on that. Scott, thank you so much for what you're doing for you're people welcome. down there and for helping my friend up here and his cohorts. And um, it's good to have you on. We'll have you back again. I, well, I let like me, your Let me share with you the website. We've got all of our classes up on the website. We've got all of the documents available on the website. You can so reach can out you, to us. Can you put that in the comment section? Just type in the, a link to the website and then everybody on here will get that. Do I have a comment section on here? Tell me what it is. What's your website? I'll do it. JCRPCC.com. You'll see my face on there. Click on the affidavit classes. There's about five of them, two and a half hours each. So loaded with J info. JCPCC. JCRPCC.com. Okay. All right. Let me yeah. put that on there. Okay. And that way people can see that. That's it. That's, it. that's it. Okay. And then you guys, that's how you can get on. And they, the classes are on there. You can watch them at your leisure, how you want. They are long, but that's because there's a lot of information in there. And last thing I'll tell you is that even if you have filled out the OHA form, you can send in these affidavits and they will amend your initial signature, your initial, con initial consent. They will amend it. And so oh. you can, you can rescind that contract. You can rescind that signature and file these affidavits. And that's what we're doing because that leads to what Mr. Thayer said, the bully complaint, the Department of Justice complaint. That's where this goes. All right, Scott, thanks again. Thank you, sir. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you too, buddy. See you later. All right. Bye. All right. So there you go, guys. Um, it all comes back to us. Uh, we the people. We the, you know, when you read the Constitution, it doesn't say we the legislature. It doesn't say we the president. It doesn't say we the business person. It doesn't say we the mayor, we the city council, we the county commissioners, says we the people. They work for you and me. And it's time we as people start reminding, not them, first remind ourselves because they know it, but we've let them get away with this for so long. It's time for us to take back that power and do that ourselves. I wanna bring up two more things before I go. Troubling things in my world that bother me. I heard Nancy Pelosi this morning on the radio. It was a direct interview with her and it was at a press conference and I heard um, a reporter say to Pelosi, um, it seems to me you guys haven't done a great job of selling this $3 trillion package. And Pelosi turned back to this woman and said, why isn't the media doing a better job of selling it? They are so used to the media working with them and selling their propaganda that they expect it. And she actually said that in a press conference. I was appalled. Last thing I want to leave you with tonight um, 
is I was on a TikTok page today and a young man, I'm not going to use his name because I didn't ask permission, but I saw on his TikTok page, he made some very interesting uh, observations about Oregon. And I've thought this for a long time, but he put it in really good terms. So the young man said, you know, Oregon's the first state to legalize pot. And we're the first state to also legalize harder drugs in that last election where people aren't. And, and people know it because a lot of folks who are coming through our town will tell the police officers in our town that they came here. Hell, what did I got to lose? I got free medical care and I can use all these hard drugs. So they know it. So we're the first to do that as well. Yet you still can't buy liquor at a grocery store for the most part. Some rural areas you can, but for the most part, you still have to go to a liquor store. Um, you can't pump your own gas. Um, you, you're restricted where you can have alcohol. When I'm in Montana with my kid, I can drink a beer right out on the street. Nobody gives a flying shit. But here in Oregon, we have little yellow tape and there's monitors to make sure that you're not taking the alcohol outside the yellow tape because outside the yellow tape, people can get hurt. But inside the tape, everyone's safe. Oh, God. <laughs> what is it with us as Oregonians? We're like independent, but yet we want someone to tell us what to do. Well, that is not an Oregonian, and that is certainly not this Oregonian. Um, I think it is absolutely hilarious um, that that we, we need to think about that as a state. So um, tomorrow night, we will be back, and Matt McCarl will be here from New Leaf Hyperbarics. He's sponsoring our show. We'll have Bill back, and we're also going to have Kevin Mannix, who's with a group called... Um, Common Sense Oregon, and they've got a lawsuit going, and we're going to talk about that to find out more information about what they're doing. They're going to try to make it so that what Governor Kate Brown has done over and over is keep extending this executive order, which was not the purpose of the, it was for an emergency situation, not to last two years. So they go in and change that, amend the constitution and change that so that no other leader could do this again. Um, and that's coming up tomorrow night, five o'clock, right here on Get Real, Rick Tansher. Again, we want to sponsor Elements Health Clubs of Lane County for sponsoring the health segment and Chris Dental for sponsoring the rest of the show. If you're looking for a new dentist, that's the place to go. If you're looking for a health club, we got three and we would love to have you in to help you with your mental health, your physical health, and you'll just have a hell of a good time. I'm Rick Dancer. Share this on your page. Let other people know what's going on. Uh, we appreciate you and we hope that you, uh, enjoyed your show tonight. I hope you learned something too. Remember, apathy is the enemy. Have a good night.